By Gods and Kings takes place in the fictional world of Dunai. For more information on By Gods and Kings or any of the products affiliated with it, please check out our website at www.bygodsandkings.com. The streets of Brawl were full around the Palace of Malaris as the God of Chaos and his new bride stepped out onto the veranda. The recently converted God-touched servant of Vesia, and now the eternal bride of Malaris, Elise Mertron greeted the crowd. A raucous jubilation filled the air as the citizens of Brile celebrated alongside Malaris. They loved their god and they loved their leader. And now, they knew that their god was finally happy. He had what he had always wanted, a woman to stand beside him and give him an heir. A person that he could truly confide in and trust with his deepest and darkest secrets. Someone he knew he could trust more than his own servants and his own god-touched soldiers. He turned to Elise and smiled. Are you sure this is what you want? There's no turning back now, he said with a wry grin. Elise smiled and hung her head. Malarus, there is nothing more that I want right now. The only thing that would make this better would be if my father would have been able to make it from the Isle of Wharton. Malarus shook his head softly and looked out at the crowd. I know, but there was no way we could do that. Once word got out that the proceedings were underway, Zalian would have dispatched his naga to down the ship. He is safer on the Isle of Wharton with Sonier. I've dispatched several priests to start a temple on the Isle of Wharton. And while I'm aware that none of them are going to become followers of me, they are there to protect your father and your family. They're there to ensure that the Isle of Wharton thrives. I know, and I'm appreciative of it, replied Elise. I just worry that it's only a matter of time before Xylene decides to attack again. Malaris turned back to the crowd and smiled. Xylene will attack again, that's for sure. Hopefully, though, my priests will be there to defend the island. If it's not your priests, perhaps my brother could go back and defend them. Malaris turned back to Elise and nodded. With luck... Eblis Mertron can defend the Isle of Wharton as well as be the right hand of Vesia. Behind the God of Chaos and his bride, Dravania stood with her arms folded across her chest, and beside her, Eblis looked out at the crowd. He was now a God-touched servant of Vesia, the right hand, her champion, and he had very little direction to go by. She didn't tell him what to do or how to live his life. He knew he had to wait for her orders and her commands, but he didn't know what to do before then. He didn't know how to occupy his time. Dravania had just become a servant of Malarus and was in the same position. Malarus' attention was on Elise, the god-touched servant of Vesia and his bride, not on his newest god-touched soldier. Without any direction from her god, Eblis and Dravania were left to forge a relationship together, one that was built upon the foundation of great ale, great stories, and good camaraderie. Their romance was blossoming, something that Eblis never imagined would happen to him. Though they both served rival gods, they had a slight devotion to each other, one that was blossoming before the eyes of everyone. In the distance, however, at the harbor, two other god-touched servants were watching the proceedings. Todandic, the god-touched servant of Xylene, stood watch as he saw alliances being forged. Xylene was not pleased about what had happened. He was not pleased at all that, in his eyes, Vesia and Malaris had formed an alliance with one another. Standing beside Todandic was Scare, who appeared distraught. He knew what had to be done. He knew the agreement had already been violated and now it was time for him to live up to his end of the bargain. He was a servant of Xylene and Talgis, and now he had to go and level his family, his friends, and his former home. Scare turned away from Todandic and walked over to the ship, where he boarded it willingly, knowing that his destination would be the Isle of Wharton, and his wrath would be felt by many. An epic celebration in Brawl was commencing, while a funeral dirge was beginning to play on the Isle of Wharton. The crystal floor reflected the moonlight coming from the two moons above while the stars twinkled in the sky. Several white columns filled the distance while the scholars and archivists moseyed about. 
It was a normal day in the realm of Darilius, and things needed to be archived. History needed to be recorded, and Dunai needed to be analyzed. Ever since its inception, Darilius had always regarded Dunai as a master experiment, one that would test the boundaries of humanity. The god of intellect would tell the other gods that this experiment was finite and that there was an expiration date. But so long as they could all get along, and so long as war would not be openly declared regularly, they should be able to exist. However, Darilius was weary that they would have to try again, that their experiment would end terribly, and they would have to roam the void once more. Unlike the rest of the gods, and especially his brothers Malarus and Darian, Darilius was aware of the fragile nature of Dunai. That's why he opted for Vesia to be the goddess of law and not one of his brothers. Darilius knew with one of them at the helm, Dunai was doomed to fail. At least with Vesia, there was a fighting chance. Inside his chambers, the god of intellect paced back and forth. He had several portals open, all with a watchful eye on different parts of Dunai. He was making it a point to archive everything as he went, but he had a lot on his mind. He was still troubled about his conversation with Scare and how it led to him becoming a god-touch servant of Talgis and Xylene. However, Darilius was not one to dwell on the past. If anything, Darilius was one to speak about the future and how the past affected it. Several years had passed since the incidents on the Isle of Wharton. Darilius had plenty of time to reflect while also seeing how it affected the future, how it affected Urine, Merdul, Quor, and the rest of Dunai. He had an opportunity to think about how it affected the gods, how it affected the god-touched, and how it affected every single mortal. With all of the archivists and scholars arriving in his chamber, Darilius was prepared to give a lecture on the Isle of Orton and how all the events that occurred on it greatly impacted the safety and serenity of Dunai. With all of his followers watching him, Darilius paced back and forth, talking amongst himself. He knew the questions they would ask, and he knew what lecture he wanted to deliver. And for some reason today, his mind was dwelling on what is the Wharton legacy. Many of you every day ask me questions. So long as the two moons rise overhead, questions are asked. And I expect them. I appreciate them. I want to hear them. But one of you asked a question earlier that gave me pause and made me think. Was there an event on Dunai that really shaped everything? Was there an event that happened amongst the humans and the gods that effectively put us on the path that we are on today. And as I wrestled with that thought, I came to the conclusion that there was one event that set forth the cogs of motion. There was one event that set everything to pass. That was the Wharton legacy. Drillius paused as a smirk emerged on his face. He had captivated the entire audience and had their full and undivided attention. I am asked repeatedly, what is the Wharton legacy? What actually came from that island? Was it that three god-touched emerged from the same time, from such a small area? Is that the Wharton legacy? Could it be that they were able to unite seven duchies of Urine against them in such a brief time, only for a god to snuff it out, something that never happened before? Is that the Wharton legacy? Is it that they had suffered the most terrible of wraths that Xylene had ever administered, something that rivaled even what he did on Tangregia when he was exiled from the Master Realm? Is that the Wharton legacy? I think about it. And no, none of those are the Wharton legacy. And while yes, Bestia received her first two god-touched servants, Evelis Mertrand, the right hand of Vestia and her vengeance on Dunai, is regarded as one of the most powerful men to ever step foot on the plane. His sister Elise, equally powerful but with much more restraint, serves as the bride of Malaris and the mother of Latros. Their two contributions could be considered the Wharton legacy, but I don't think that's really what it is. I think as I sit up here on my pedestal and I look down at Dunai, I think the Wharton legacy is this. Too many deals were made with too many gods, and two of those gods were angling for a fight. I look back at it now, and I should have seen it coming. 
I should have seen Xylene's vengeance building. While I would not have done anything about it, I could have at least kept my eyes on it more. I could have seen Todandic, and I could have seen the Naga all preparing to strike. His lust for blood, combined with Talgis's willingness to enable him, is what led to the next conflict. You see, for the longest time, the gods were involved in a bit of a cold war. There was not open war like there was before, when Vesia had decreed that all of their realms be separated from Dunai. Now, because of Xylene, Talgis, and the rest of the gods, especially Malarus, the War of the Gods was back on, and this second version would be just as deadly as before, because now, there were god-touched servants that walked the plain. Dunai was full of servants who were just as strong as the gods and stronger than the high priests. Alliances would soon be formed between the gods, and bloodshed would be opened in the streets. Temples would be ransacked, villages would be ravaged, the War of the Gods would claim thousands of souls. The battles were epic, especially between the god-touched. Ebelus Mertrand, Gervania, both of them were very adept at fighting, and both of them showed their skills, especially after a while. Ebelus wasn't very adept at first, but once he became so, he was a threat. However, he wasn't the most powerful on the battlefield. Oh no, though she rarely emerged from the Grove Astralis. Drusilla Whisperleaf was out there, and no one dared to cross her. And while Telerafel had been destroyed by Talgis, the Grove Astralis was thriving. There was no high priest for Phalaris anymore. Drusilla Whisperleaf was the de facto leader for the God of Flora. And even if there was a high priest for Phalaris, they would still bend the knee to Drusilla. Her power was unquestioned and absolute. There were other god-touch servants, though, who could rival her power, but not her tenacity. Koobs, for example, a powerful follower of Valkus, and one of his most devout soldiers, had the raw power of conjuring the earth and the fire to do immense damage to his enemies. However, while he had the power, he lacked the temperament. Koobs wanted peace, and he wanted serenity for Valkus and his followers. He had no lust for blood. Bantheos, a follower of Talgis, however, did have that lust for blood that Drusilla had, but lacked the ability. He could command the harpies and command the wind, but where Drusilla could use the vines to rip the limbs off of man, Bantheos could only push them around with the wind. Todandic, a god-touched servant of Xylene, also had the tenacity, but not the ability. He could melt down into a puddle and control the army of Naga, but where he could drown his victims and torture them indiscriminately, he wasn't able to conjure a forest from the ground like Drusilla could. Drusilla could impale an entire village with her vines and her trees. Todandic could not. The rest of the archivists and scholars looked on as Darilius mused about Drusilla Whisperleaf. Her power was awe-inspiring and something that should have been feared. She was a well-known tenant of Dunai, and her story was one of legend. Darilius walked over to an open window and looked out into the stars. The archivists and scholars were still looking at him as he continued to muse. All of you are aware of what happened. Once Silene got word that Elise had married Malarus, he had dispatched Todandic and his Naga to accomplish the most sinister of deeds. Every man, woman, and child on the Isle of Wharton was killed by a Naga, with the exception of two. King Rylagek and Sonye were taken to Xylene's Grand Temple. On the Isle of Shruk, in front of Scare, Sonye and King Rylagek were both assassinated. Xylene was under the impression that by ending the line of the Rylageks, he would be delivering the biggest blow that he could. However, unbeknownst to him, a plan was already put in place to fix that, a plan involving the God of Chaos. In due time, an heir to the Isle of Wharton was born, and though while there was no more Isle of Wharton, it was since now a graveyard, the legacy now had a prince. Elise Mertrand was with child, something that Malarus had always yearned for. In time, 
Latros would be born, and the War of the Gods would spurn on. Darilius released the rail and turned around to face the archivists and scholars. I suppose now is the time to discuss with you all the event that truly changed all of Dunai forever. I suppose now we need to talk about the second War of the Gods. Hey everybody, thanks again for listening to the Bygods and Kings podcast. For more information on Bygods and Kings, you can always visit our website at www.bygodsandkings.com. But hey, you can also find us on Twitter, at Bygods and Kings. You can also find us on Facebook and even Reddit. We look forward to giving more content to you guys. You guys have a great afternoon. We'll see you on the other side.